Welcome to another episode of the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast, where we talk about all things related to athletic performance, rehabilitation, and wellness. My name is Michael Falk, and I will not actually be hosting the episode today. The host is going to be my lovely wife, wife Lauren Falk, and she is joined by Dr. Sydney Cope, one of our therapists at Kinetic Sports Medicine, and Coach Jack Hackett of Infinity Running Company. So today, Jack actually coached Sydney through her marathon earlier this year, and Jack and Sydney are going to share some of their tips on pre-race preparation ideas, some race nutrition to keep your energy up and your stomach happy as you're running a race. They're going to go through some common off-season running training plans and goals, some recent research about how you can train smarter for your race, and then ultimately why it's really important to have a coach as you're starting to train for a race or set some goals. So this is a great episode. Obviously, it's geared a little bit more towards runners, but Really, anybody that's going through a training plan, working with a coach, having specific goals, I think you'll kind of take something away from it. But if you're a runner that has some race goals going into the offseason or into next year, this is going to be a can't miss episode. Welcome to another episode of the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Lauren Falk, and I'm joined today by Jack Hackett and our very own Dr. Sydney Cope. Today, we are reflecting on Dr. Sydney's experience of training for and running her first marathon under the guidance of Coach Jack. Using her experience as a springboard today, Coach Jack will share with you some of his philosophies on race preparation, as well as off-season training to improve your performance in the coming season. So welcome to both of you. Thank you for being here. Um, For those of you who don't know Coach Jack... He is the owner and head coach of Infinity Running Company, where he provides coaching for a wide range of runners from novice to elite, right? Is that a good way to... Yes, that is true. Um, Jack uh, was an exercise physiology major at Marquette um, and ran for the cross-country and track and field teams there, and then trained and ran professionally for a period of time, correct, following your time at Marquette? Very, very semi-professionally, but yes. (laughs) Yes. We use the term loosely around here. I did make some money, but it was not. Hey, that's pretty good. Hey, hey, you know, money is something. Um, And then kind of during that time, you also sidelined by an injury for quite some time as well that just kind of rerouted your focus and brought you into coaching a little bit more and things like that. But recently, Jack came out of retirement... And joined a team, yeah, I call it that, um, joined a team called the Goodland, correct? Yeah. Where they defeated Bowerman Track Club, um, which is a Nike-sponsored team, and the Eakins, which is also a big deal, which is a part of a Nike um, training group. And they won the 2022 Hood to Coast, which is an amazing feat. We might have some questions for you about that later. There has to at least be one good story from that experience. (laughs) Plenty of good stories. I was probably the slowest guy on the fastest team. Hey, that's okay. Contribution happens in many different ways. (laughs) Still a winner. (laughs) Yep. Um, But Jack is a seasoned pro on our podcast. Um, He's not here just because I like him, but because I have an extreme respect for what he does, um, how he coaches, the information that he shares with you guys. And, you know, Sydney and I have both been very fortunate to work and train with him. Um, and we like to share experiences. So, Jack, thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Yeah, happy to be here. Thank you. And then since today is a two-for-one deal, we also get to hear from Dr. Sydney, who has been a PT with us for about a year and a half. Yep. Um, and she also happens to be our lead running performance rehab specialist here. So, um, you know, it's kind of practice what you preach, yeah. usually. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. So there will be a lot of great things discussed today. So to start things off, um, 
Dr. Sydney, you did a podcast with Michael um, about training and your race experience. So walk us through just a little recap now that you've reflected on it of your training season. You know, highs, lows, things are easy, barriers, all the above. Sure, sure. I think as I get farther and farther away from the marathon, I think I'm getting more and more angry, which I don't know if that's like a good thing or a bad thing. I just look back and I'm like, man, your emotions. Like, I really like just, I just, I, I think I'm also like looking forward to my next one too, with like, sort of like putting a fire under me, you know? Yeah. Um, just because like, I still like look back and I'm like, I really did everything that I could and it still wasn't that great, but like, I still did it. I'm still super proud. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think it's sort of just like keeping me going and like looking forward to doing another one. Um, but yeah, highs, I did it. I finished the darn thing. (laughs) Um, but I think honestly, like also reflecting, looking back, um, the training was a piece of it that I didn't appreciate until, like more recently, like I didn't see it as, as big of an accomplishment as I do now. Like it was just like, Oh, let's just get to race day. That was the map to to the race versus the accomplishment of the day to day. Prior to this training, I had run max a half marathon distance ever in my life. And like that point of the training was like still the very beginning. And like it, it wasn't until recently that I was like, wow. Yeah. Like I ran 16 miles. I ran 18 miles. I ran like those are big deals for someone that hasn't been doing this Mm -hmm. for long at all. Um, And I think that's one thing that I like am reflecting on more recently now too, is that like the training part of it and the programming and like just getting to race day is such an accomplishment in and of itself. So that's probably the only big difference that I would kind of like add to what we talked about on the podcast last time, but overall really cool experience. Um, did not think my body could ever do something like that. Um, so looking forward to what's to come. Yeah. I, um, I think that's a really interesting point, actually, reflecting on the accomplishment of the training. You know, because everyone, you know, you get the medal at the race. Like, that's the shiny part of the experience. Yeah. But, yeah, you're right. Like, the days that you were in here and you're, like, trudging through the work but accomplishing it and yeah. then feeling better like feeling the ups and downs yeah. but still accomplishing and checking off all those boxes mm-hmm. day after day and and you'd started this with like a three to five mile long run and then you're talking yeah. about like an 18 mile long yeah. run you know and just to like look at that contrast of what you accomplished in such a you did like a 12 week ramp right mm, i think it was like 16 16, 16 I was, yeah i was like struggling yeah. around three miles yeah <laughs> yeah but that's a huge accomplishment of yeah. how much you stretch your body and change yeah, your body in absolutely. a 16 week period of time and that's pretty impressive so um looking we just looked at the bigger picture so now if we break down that and kind of um look at the race itself <laughs> so you faced <laughs> well you faced some challenges yeah you ended up racing a race that you weren't planning for. Yes. Because your Stress. race got canceled. Yeah. Shout out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so those are some challenges that aren't common to most people's yeah. experience because you often at least know where you're headed and what that's going to look like. Um, but you obviously had some challenges there. So you had travel. Yeah. You had a course change. 
you, you know, you had lots of different things. So just kind of break down a few of like the highs and lows or like challenges of your race, just the race itself. Yeah. And things um, you experienced. So the race that I was going to run, <clears throat> relatively flat course, and I lived right along the course. So like my training was flat, pe- like yeah. parts of the race that I was going to run. So I was very comfortable with it, felt really good. And then all of a sudden, I'm, like, running this downhill race. I'm like, oh, cool. That's nice. Didn't really think anything of it until I got there and started running. Yeah. And then my quads freaked out. And they were like, <laughs> what are you What are you doing to us? <laughs> so that Jack was... knows what that feels like, too. But he was just running down a mountain. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that was much more admirable than mine. Yeah. Like, no, come on, guys. Like, get yeah. together. But you definitely experienced um, something that your body wasn't as used to. Yeah. And it was, like frightening and like shocking and frustrating um just because it was something that I'd never experienced and like genuinely thought that I did a good job with everything else like fueling nutrition all that good stuff um so yeah definitely threw me for a loop definitely the biggest low of the whole day just because it really changed my race and the outcome of the race too Mm -hmm. absolutely and I think your story is not the common one, like we said, most people know where they're racing, what the race is going to be, and they're doing their best to prepare for it accordingly yep. and things like that. But, you know, so Jack kind of stepping out, you know, and looking at this, and obviously Sydney's cramping was probably a little bit more than just regular because she was being exposed to something she wasn't prepped for and nothing that we could control for because that's just when your race changes location at the very last minute. There's only so many things you could do, but maybe just kind of stepping back as if you're talking to a person who is facing challenges in their race and like preparing their body for their race and things like that. What are some piece of advice that you give to your clients of like a, the travel B the physical preparation, you know, C like the preparation that goes on literally within the marathon itself to help your body sustain what's about to happen. Yeah. There's a lot to unpack. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. That's a big question. Describe your entire job. Yeah. Yeah. As far as like the the race, like especially you know traveling to the race, I ended up actually doing the same race that that Sydney did as well. Where yeah. you know we were both going to be sleeping in our own beds that night. And we were yeah. both going to be you know yeah is just a very familiar territory. And then having to switch real quick and run a completely different course was a, a little challenging. Yeah, <laughs> it's probably the busiest day of my coaching career was that day that <laughs> all that switched. Uh, but yeah, basically the, the preparation kind of piece of it, especially the traveling to other places, you try to make as many things as familiar as possible. Yeah. You try to set it up where it doesn't feel like a big change or anything mm-hmm. like that. You want, you know, nothing new on race day it is something that you know, kind of commonly hear thrown out. But yeah. you can make it so that even the experiences, even waking up and having breakfast at an earlier time than you normally would, you can practice Doing that, that ahead of time. Runs. You can practice that with a lot of different things. Yeah. Uh, so I think, you know, you're just trying to get yourself ready for those kind of, the challenges that you're going to face on race day. Yeah. Uh, you know, for Sydney's case, the downhill aspect of it and the quads, it, you know, I think part of it too is we joked that it was a couch to marathon plan, and obviously, I think that maybe where part of it has, has come from. I've, I've beat myself up trying to figure out, you know, what exactly was it in in training that you know led to this? Because obviously, you know, I want to set you up to succeed, and, yeah. and you don't feel like you you did completely. 
Uh, I think part of it was just not having that consistent training going into it. Yeah. We got you ready to run a marathon. It just wasn't very pretty. <laughs> it, it wasn't that marathon. You got her ready to run the yeah, marathon she yeah. was going yeah, to run. Yeah, I think would have been a, a lot better experience for you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, those, those were a lot of very, like, odd circumstances in general. But, and I know, like, you learned this a lot as you were training, too, was that fueling and preparation. Yeah. And, like, you felt the days that you didn't fuel well oh, yeah. enough. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure there's a lot of trial and error that has to go into it too because your stomach gets a lot more sensitive as you're running and everyone's got a different balance. But, you know, I think it's really interesting that like, I think people always, like a novice kind of looks at running and like, oh, I throw my shoes on and I go. Mm-hmm. And really there's a lot of work that happens from the moment you start to the moment you stop, especially in a race or in your long run preparation yeah. or all this stuff. It's not like you're just throwing your shoes on and go. And so, Jack, you were talking about this, about there's been some nutritional guidelines that have kind of recently shifted over how to properly fuel your body for these longer, yeah. more strenuous situations. Things have definitely evolved really quickly on the nutrition front, uh, especially in the last, I don't know, five-ish years. Basically, when Kipchoge went to go break two hours the first time in the marathon is when a whole host of this research came out from that group, which usually is pretty secretive, so it's kind of fun to, to get to look at you know, the nuts and bolts of how they were doing this. Uh, but they were essentially finding that, uh, like the old guidelines were essentially 100 calories an hour. So about one gel every hour of running. Okay. Uh, but what they found with these kind of runners was that they wanted actually closer to 100 grams of carbs an hour, which is closer to 400 calories yeah. of just, you know, carbs. Uh, so basically quadrupling the amount of calories that you were taking in from what, what it used to be. Uh, the big challenge has always been the GI distress that came with that. Right. Uh, so there's been some new products out, things like Morton gel, which is, it's a hydrogel. So they use pectin and uh, alginate to kind of create this barrier that protects the carbohydrates from essentially the acidity in your stomach. So it doesn't spike up your stomach. It mm. then releases in the small intestine. Mm. Uh, similar idea with Scratch has something called Superfuel that uses these cluster dextrins that kind of... Uh, get around some of the or the systems that create the distress in our stomach. Yeah. Uh, so you're able to get these kind of crazy amount of carbohydrates in without the upset right. nature of your stomach. Yeah. Uh, and that's been a huge kind of boon as far as, uh, especially reducing the amount of fatigue that you feel at the end, or at least reducing the kind of fall off that you have. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked a little bit about preparation and the nutrition kind of side of it. Uh, I've got a client now that, that he's run Olympic trials type uh, you know, times in the past, uh, but has really struggled lately, and uh, he never feels before he runs. And it's, part of why you're doing that is to get your stomach used to it, sure, but also your body and just how it uses the fuel sources and like how it looks, like its operating conditions. You just want to get it as close to race day as possible. Right. So especially on those long runs, those marathon pace workouts, those those kind of days you're simulating the race he wasn't kind of setting himself up to experience what race day was going to be like. Right. Uh, so it's more about, you know, the whole system and how it's using fuel than it is just about, you know, fueling, like putting gas in the tank. It's not yeah. your car runs different when you have gas in versus not. 
not the best analogy. No, I I mean, yes, absolutely. Like, I always tell people, like, when we talk about performance nutrition or anything in general, like, we always say something's better than nothing, A, of course, always. But B, like, it needs to be specific to your needs, what you can tolerate, and all that stuff. And for a while, especially if you're new to, like, marathons and fueling like this, it takes a lot of time for trial and error during your training, like, using your training to say, okay, well, what gels will sit with my stomach, what won't, like... Everyone's got a different sense of what works for them. And like you're saying, you literally have to use like those long run days as your practice and your exposure and your body has to get used to using that fuel, throwing it in there on race day as like a surprise to the system is not going to usually end well or work to your advantage. You know, the body likes to gain exposure and habit and build like, and just for you too, like, I feel like sometimes like your mental confidence of like, yeah, I'm gonna take this thing. I'm gonna eat it. Never had it before. I pray to God my stomach doesn't get <laughs> yeah. sick. Like no one wants those extra thoughts on race day too. You want to know, hey, I've used these things for the last three months, and my stomach does great on them. And I feel good. So like I always encourage people to do those trials well in advance and like know your stomach, know what your pre-race breakfast is, know what your your fueling is, know what your post-race fueling is that you know will sit well with you because everyone's different in terms of what they can tolerate and things like that. So it's... Important. Yeah, I will say that Morton, so M-A-U-R-T-E-N, the, that mm-hmm. gel is actually, there's some studies uh, that have proven that it digests easier, that causes less GI distress than a lot of other products out there. Yeah, that's great to know because I... Do the test. Yeah, that's what I yeah, use. Pretty much every, <laughs> almost every athlete that I've, I've coached, that's what I've steered them towards just because, like I said, it's research-backed, like it's proven yeah. and yes. of the... You know, literal hundreds of marathons my athletes have run. I, I don't think I've had anyone that's had GI distress while using that. That's product, great. Then that's good to know, you know, and that these things are newer and obviously well backed by science and good for the novice person to know that those things exist because they may not know the difference from one gel to the other. Yeah, it is more expensive. But yeah. It, at least in my experience, that's what I've used a lot too. It, it definitely seems to work. That's so, great. Good to know. <laughs> Noted. Um, so shifting back, Sydney, um, you had commented about now that you've reflected, um, on your race and your experience looking at this upcoming season. So kind of as a result, what are some of the goals that you have for your off season? Off season. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, I, uh, have been lifting a lot more regularly now, um, which I love. Uh, I'm someone that goes through like big shifts in like how I work out because I get bored very easily. Um, that's just a Sydney problem. But, uh, so I go through these waves where I'm like, Oh, I love to run. I love to run. I love to run. And then I'm like, Oh, I don't really love running. Uh, so, and then I love lifting. And, um, so I always use like the winter, especially in Wisconsin, um, as like setting myself up for success in the spring to like, make sure I'm getting really, really, really strong um, and working on a lot of, like, functional strength stuff. Like, I'm not really just trying to, like, bulk up huge and, like, you know, that comes with a piece of it, but, like, working on, like, functional strength, um, some, like, agility stuff and, like, plyometrics, like, just, like, prepping my body through the winter season so that when it is warm again and I'm more comfortable running outside... Um, then I feel better, even though I might be out of shape, like at least my body isn't going to go through like a huge, like breakdown Mm -hmm. process because now it just doesn't have any legs to stand on. 
Um, so that's sort of my goal for this off season. And then I also um, am going to, I like have been running still, mm-hmm. um, which is big for me because like I said, like I usually go through like when I am lifting, like mo- basically all I'm doing is lifting or like when I'm running, like that's mostly what I'm doing. Like I'll lift maybe two days a week, but like right now I'm like lifting and running pretty consistently like four to five times a week. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and that feels really good. Like I'm just listening to my body right now too. Like I'm still recovering from a little bit of issues with my foot. Mm-hmm. Um, so like taking days off when needed, like doing my rehab stuff for that. Um, but that's another one of my big goals is that like when I do start training for my next marathon, like I don't want to be starting from zero again. Yeah. And like right now, you know, knock on some wood, I'm like really, really enjoying running because I think I'm finally starting to do it well. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm becoming a more efficient runner and it just feels better Mm -hmm. than when like every time you go out to run, you're like, this absolutely sucks. Like that's just, (laughs) so sometimes you feel like you're swimming underwater (laughs) right now. I'm not there. So I'm just going to try and keep it going in that direction. Um, but yeah, those are sort of my off season goals for right now. Mm-hmm. So, knowing what you know about Sydney's experience, Jack, as a coach, um, just so they can gain some insight into your thoughts, what are a few reflections that you have on Sydney's training? And I say this lightly, but what torture you have in store for her? <laughs> we'll talk about theories in a second, but <laughs> this is where Jack gets to drop the hammer on Sydney and tell her what's coming. I mean, really, the big thing with training is you're just trying to, it was called progressively overload, where you give just a little bit more than what the body can handle. I mean, I always say like, you yeah. you almost want to embarrass your body. It's yeah. not to say like you pants to someone or something like that. <laughs> you, you just try to like work a little bit harder than what your body is ready yeah. for. You make and, yourself uncomfortable. Yeah, exactly. And then your body realizes like, oh, I couldn't quite handle that. I need to get better. I think you definitely were there, Sydney. Oh, yeah. yeah <laughs> there were some days that I came in here and I was like, if you guys don't help me out right this instant, I'm not making it through my work. It's, it's also really helpful for, for somebody like Sydney, especially. She's got the expertise to know, like, we can push just a little bit harder because she has a better understanding of what's pain, what's yeah. injury, yes. what's soreness, like, you know, differentiating those things, not to mention the resources at Kinetic just to, like, actually deal with some of those issues, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. The average person, you know, maybe can't go and get needled every yeah. day that they need it. Or Sydney would needle herself during our staff meetings. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it, those, those kind of tools that's allow sick. you to be just a little bit harder. So Absolutely. As far as the torture that's coming, it, it's more of the same thing that's, that's been working, just yeah. the next kind of step up. You yeah, know, maybe, the next level. Yeah, a little bit faster or a little bit further or... More hills. Know, yeah, more, yeah. More <laughs> mentally preparing, physically preparing for hills. If we're doing a race with a bunch of downhills, we'll do some more eccentric lifting and those kind of things. Totally. Uh, preparing your body for the stress that it's going to go under. I mean, the, the nice thing though is now uh, the marathon isn't you know untrod ground for Sydney. Like, yeah. We've we've plowed the road. It'll be a lot easier. I mean, yeah. there's science behind it. Like, it's just a lot easier to to do it the second time. Yeah. Not to mention psychologically, you now know you can you do can, it run that far. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's no doubt that Sydney and I can both attest to having you as a coach and 
the extreme amount of help that that is, yeah. you know, to have someone like you who's able to assess where we're at. So like he's, we joke, but Kit Sydney was couched to marathon, <laughs> but assessing where we're at, building a program that was, you know, based for the person, you know, based on their abilities and their goals and things like that. And, you know, coaching is not just about the immediate race too. like, we're seeing with you, like you're, you're, you have the opportunity to take a big step back and take a look at the bigger picture and provide guidance for these people that you're programming for. Um, and so I want you to kind of share a few of your thoughts from putting on your coaching hat, um, talking about some of your philosophies of like off season training and then bridging into training and things like that. Yeah. I think Sydney brought up a great point using the, especially Wisconsin winter. Uh, it's actually a similar thing. I've got a bunch of clients down in Texas and the summer is almost too hot to get outside. So it's kind of the same. It's a reverse issue. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, but using those off season times to work on the things that you don't normally do. Uh, I mean, just in general, part of my training philosophy is to work on things that you haven't done, uh, because a novel stimulus or something that you haven't done will go a lot further than, uh, something that you, you kind of have already done a whole mm-hmm. bunch of, I, I, I know I'm preparing for this podcast. I sent you, uh, mm-hmm. one of the studies or, or talked to you about, yeah. uh, but they took some pretty well-trained runners and had one group add speed work. I think it was three times a week, uh, just eight by 30 seconds. And the other group added an extra, I think it was 15% volume of just normal, easy running. And the group that did just that little bit of extra speed work, but not mileage had a bigger improvement in mm-hmm. performance. Mm-hmm. Again, just doing things that you weren't already doing yes. goes a long ways. Uh, so the off-season especially is a time to kind of work on those things as well as creating a good foundation. I mean, mm-hmm. strength especially is so important. Uh, you know, Sydney brought up plyometrics too. I think that's something that a lot of runners miss out on. Yeah. Uh, running is definitely very hard and, and it's good to be strong but even more important to running is the tendon quality mm-hmm. uh, intolerance of what you're about to submit it to yeah, yeah exactly there, there's not enough uh, focus on that tendon quality um, that's out there so i love yeah. working that off season to do some plyometrics even just build up that, is a good yeah building up that tensile strength and things like that what i always tell people like when you are running every time your foot hits the ground roughly seven to 10 times your body weight is going through the lower half of your lower leg of your leg. And that's a lot of stress. And it's not like I'm going to ask you to go squat a thousand pounds, but you know, preparing your body for a higher amount of stress, you know, during these times that you aren't pounding it as much helps it be more physically ready for when you subject it to the pounding again, you know? And so kind of, again, not throwing a thousand pounds on a runner's back, but doing things to train beyond their body weight and help their body be subjected to different loads and under different types of stress. And, you know, those low, low, low grade plyometrics to make sure that that tendon is constantly getting stimulus. Because if you have that tendon that hasn't been jumping, running, pounding for a few months, the first time you go back to do that, that tendons, especially we can all say this because we're adults, especially in the adult world, (laughs) maybe an 18 year old can stop for a few months and then jump right back in. But, you know, especially in the adult runner, if you stop, when you start back up and it's been a period of time that's hard on the body and it will tell you that it's not ready to tolerate that. 
So using that preparation, you know, and I, so I'm four weeks into training with Jack for 10 K and I can personally test to adding the sprints because you've done that where you've kind of undulated the different speeds that we work at and adding some sprints in at the end. And I really struggle with long distances. So I'm trying to use this time to reappreciate them. Um, but it's interesting how it just really for an adult body that hasn't been doing a whole lot, like, you know, usually it's like, oh, I'm just going to go for my quick 20 minute run with my dog, call it a day, whatever. But by introducing these different speeds, it helps me realize that I have these different gears again. And I think you're right. Like, even though this is still just the beginning, like after having added in these different paces and things like that, like my long run felt easy all of a sudden and you're like where is this coming from like <laughs> the science is actually kind of starting to play itself out a little bit that like you know kind of putting that body into that that uncomfortable space now it makes that middle zone of that consistent pace feel a lot easier yeah especially just the the neuromuscular connection too by doing some of those sprints the part of the science is essentially you start to activate some muscles that were only being used or, I don't know, the hardest of your hard activities, but yeah, yeah. once they actually get used for something, you know, like those sprints, they kind of almost, quote-unquote, wake up so that you start to realize that you can use them even for that easier long run mm-hmm. as some other muscles fatigue, those other muscles can start kind of pulling their weight. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, so there's a reason that you do that. That's not just about running faster. It makes running longer or running more tired easier because mm-hmm. you have more muscle fibers you can call on. Absolutely. No, it's very interesting how you can start to change the way your body feels in your runs. Yeah. You know, um, I think Cindy and I can both speak to this about just the overall benefits of having a coach. You know, we're talking about this bigger picture, but outside of that fact, like I joke, but like I feel the peer pressure. Like the other day it was really cold and I was like, oh, I just don't want to let Jack down that if I don't do this run but it made me get it done even though I know you'd never really be mad at me because we have a flexible schedule but you know the accountability side is so huge especially as like an adult I mean we're recreational runners Cindy and I are not winning any money nope um (laughs) last place maybe yeah (laughs) but um there's some races that do that yeah that's true I need to do that race um you know so i think that there's just a lot of benefits to having that support system even as a recreational runner obviously as an elite person there's so much more science that you get to put to it and stuff like that but from the novice to the elite runner there are just so many benefits to um having a coach and what we're like sydney kind of reflecting on because you've like gone and just kind of tried to run on your own yeah and now you've had Jack providing this structure for you. What were some of your things that you've noticed about like the benefits of having a coach throughout that process for you? Injuries. <laughs> okay. I mean, honestly, like from a runner that literally Googled how to run half marathon. And then I just <laughs> the followed the plan. Stupid schedule that it was just like Monday, run this. Tuesday, run that kind of a thing. Um, I... Uh, like the first half marathon that I ran, that's what I did. Um, so slow. I mean, I was like so slow. I was so unprepared. And by the time I got to race day, I was exhausted Mm because this thing had me running every single day with like maybe an off day or like a easy walk or something. But like it was not catered to... uh, what I needed or what I think as a, you know, 
sports medicine healthcare provider that works with a lot of runners, it was just not, it wasn't a good program. And unfortunately, uh, as somebody that does treat a lot of runners, this is what a lot of the athletes do that end up in here seeing me. They Google marathon training program and they follow that and then their body poops out on them, you know, six weeks in and they end up in here because they're not lifting, they're not taking days off, they're not like altering the amount that they're running, like they're just pushing, 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 and they get hurt. So from my aspect, as going through it myself, from the half marathons that I ran doing that, and the one that I did like while I was training for this marathon, night and day. I mean, that half marathon felt easy. And I was like, what? Who? I don't run. Like, okay. So for me to say that, for me to finish, like cross a finish line and say, wow, I could go run more if I really needed to. Like that was, that's a cool feeling. And like that came from, you know, weeks of hard work, but like weeks of guided hard work where like if I was having an issue, I had someone to ask, hey, what should I change? Or this felt really good or this felt really bad what should I do this weekend kind of a thing. Like having that support made a world of a difference. Um, and again, like treating athletes that are training for longer distances, um, having them be coached versus just Googling whatever program, like it really does make a big difference on like longevity too, I think. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, what I hear you saying is it's, it was interactive. Yeah. The whole time. And it probably support. gives you... It was a lot of support, too. It probably helped you understand a little bit more of what you were doing and why. Or, like, especially if you're saying, hey, I'm not feeling good. What should I do? And he says, okay, well, we're going to adjust your run and do X. Like, yeah. it helps you understand adjustments that can be made. I think it's actually also good to know adjustments can be made. Yes. And you're still going to feel successful because yep. often on those pre print out programs, you feel like, oh, I'm not going to be able to finish that, cross that finish line if yep. I don't do this plan, you know, and... Jack can speak to it. There are a lot of changes that occur in training. Like we lay out a plan, but much like everything in life, even with rehab and everything, there's a, there's a general skeleton of what is likely to happen, Yeah. but there are a lot of bumps and hurdles and changes and all the above that happens from point A to point B in order to cross the line at the end, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think when people are just tied to a very linear experience, they don't get the benefit of, that interactive piece of understanding why understanding it's okay. Like if you're telling Jack, I have zero gas in the tank. I can't do this thing. He goes, it's okay. This is what I need you to do. And this is how we're going to do it. And you know, things like that, it just changes a lot. And it, you know, and it gave you, um, like you were running how many days a week on the Google plan for lack of a better term? Four, four, five, mm-hmm. four, I think. And two of them were like, recovery runs with like some strides at the end and then I would do a speed work and then I would have a long run and then I would have like an optional day which honestly I rarely ever did but it was optional so Mm -hmm. I took that to heart but like here you had a plan that was catered to the fact that you are a working professional Mm -hmm. you were going to be doing other things outside of running because you do you still had to lift and attend to those needs like you had a plan that fit your injury history you know your work schedule (laughs) like being an adult and training is not the easiest thing because no. it's not your primary job. Yeah. You know, if we could all be Olympic athletes and just 
this be our focus, that'd be lovely. But for the other 99.999% of the world who are not those people, we need something that's going to fit, not something that we are trying to shoehorn our life around. Yeah. Um, because I think that that's also when you're less likely to be successful at doing it. You know, we always say here, like, I could write you the best plan in the whole wide world, but if it doesn't work for you and you're not going to get it done, then it wasn't the best plan. Yep. And um, so I think that that's a big part of having that guidance and things like that. So, Jack, obviously you are a coach, but you also train too. Um, but from your perspective, and I'm sure you've really had the opportunity to look back at everyone you've worked with, and I know you read deep into the research as well. What are the benefits of having a running coach? Yeah, I appreciate the sponsored segment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, obviously, you know, listen to this with, with We're my We're not being paid for this, there. by the way. This is all genuine in nature. Uh, <laughs> Uh, basically, having a coach it provides, A, that accountability that you talked about. Mm-hmm. I mean... It, it helps so much. There, there's a big piece of it for that. I have found a lot of athletes, maybe enjoy is the wrong word, but they thrive with that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, just unloading the work of that mentally. Like, I've spent most of my life... Like, I read scientific journals for fun. <laughs> you know, We're you, glad you do. <laughs> yeah, and if you don't want to do that and, like, keep up to date with all the newest science, like the nutrition that we talked about, uh, you know, having a coach kind of do all of that thinking for you takes a lot of that mental strain off of yeah. yourself. You can find a good Google plan or, like, you can yeah. buy some of the better books that are out there and learn some of the training principles and how to apply them and mm-hmm. shift the schedule around to make it work for you. Uh, you know, that's obviously what... But I'm there to do, right. <laughs> so that you don't have to think about you it. You filter it for us, especially as a working professional. Yeah. You, you don't have time to, mm-hmm. you know, subscribe to the American Journal of Sports Medicine and <laughs> read through that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's part of what a what a coach can bring for you. But also, even just looking at some of the literature, uh, there's an awesome study that just came out a few weeks ago, looking at uh, basically a like coached athlete versus a pre-prescribed athlete. Mm-hmm. Uh, so people that followed the Google plan versus people that uh, trimmed days or pushed further based on, they were looking at heart rate variability and, and resting heart rate. Uh, but the group that was actually coached and modulated the plan or like made alterations to the plan improved, it was a 10K and they improved something like a minute and 12 wow. seconds versus wow. it was something like 30 second improvement on the pre-ordained plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like having that coach can make a significant difference in time uh, as well or just like performance but I think too the enjoyment side of it is a big piece as well or like the injury side uh, you know Dr. Sidney kind of talked about that's one of my main goals Uh, you know one of my favorite studies I know we talked about it on one of the old podcasts but one of the best predictors for performance improvements is consistency. Mm-hmm. Uh, they looked at a ton of college runners, and the group that improved the most from coming in as a freshman to leaving was the group that missed the fewest days due to injury. Yeah, like if you can avoid that and be consistent, mm-hmm. that's going to go so much further. Uh, also, you don't need a hero workout; you can just like, every day get a little bit better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's you know, kind of where a coach can help figure out what that means. Um, yeah, it gives you like that reference point. Yeah, you know, I've seen it just about all. I'm sure, I'm sure people will always be able to surprise me, but at this point with training, like you've seen just about everything. You know, okay, when, when you see this, how do we have to adjust mm-hmm. or you know, how to make a different situation work or yeah. 
you know, whatever. It just and it can just give you some confidence too that, that you've got somebody else looking over and saying, yeah, that goal does sound reasonable, or like you can do it. Uh, I know we, we even talked to Sydney during some of your build-ups where you're like, I didn't think I could do the run, but you wrote it down, so I did it. Yeah. And, <laughs> so, so thanks. Yeah, and it gives you some extra confidence just by having somebody else looking at it. Yeah. Yeah. Looking at, you've you've worked with a lot of people now, and obviously not necessarily sharing a name, but looking at it, what's like a memorable person that you've worked with that has kind of gone through this process and like, you know, see their change or their progression or their success at the end from when they started with you to where they are now? Uh, I mean, I'm making hand think about this on the spot. By the way, yeah, so. there, there's a few different. I mean, Sydney is a great example where where you know wouldn't even begin to consider herself a runner. Like she was a you know a field athlete, which is yeah. a completely different skill set. Yeah, Obviously, we, ch- athletic, we chase a ball to run. <laughs> yeah, yeah, only way you get me to run. Like, it's just not the same mm-hmm. thing at all. To quickly being able to run, you know, a half marathon, which was. I mean, we trained for a half marathon, what, like a year ago or whatever yep. it was, and that was a big accomplishment. I mean, it was hard. That marathon, that half marathon, like, yeah. was hard. Yes. And now, We did a know, marathon. Qu- quickly in that, you're Crazy, doing... Crazy, man. Doing half marathons, <laughs> and they're easy, and doing 18 miles, 20 miles, and, I mean, you know, stacking those kind of things up, it is kind of the... That, that's one of my favorite things. I love doing this just because you get to help people yeah. realize that they can push themselves and challenge themselves, and... Yeah, you know, proves that things aren't that, that hard that yeah. you can do just about anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's plenty of other examples too, even from like the faster side of things, like getting people that uh, an athletic trainer at Marquette, one of our, our good friends, I won't drop names, I guess, but he was didn't even run in college and is you know chasing an Olympic trials qualifier now. It's pretty uh, wild. Yeah, I mean, consistently stacking 80, 90, 100 mile weeks, back to back to back, running you know 20 plus miles every single week and and like, he's a dad and yeah. a professional and still training <laughs> yeah exactly. he's a, he, it's impressive yeah, yeah I, i've got uh, a world of respect for for that athlete and uh i've been working with him now for two years or so yeah and yeah it's been so much fun to see that transfer transformation yeah uh, absolutely no it's and that's the thing is like you apply the science to so many different body types and so many different abilities and yeah it's the cool thing we're all like human like yeah. a lot of the same principles apply yeah. whether you're running 11 minute miles 12 minute miles or yeah. 6 minute miles 5 minute miles like it the it's the same fundamental ideas you just probably that 11 minute miler has a lot more low hanging fruit that you can start with right it's just it's easier to get that are at the start of your journey versus at the end. Well, I think too, I think too, part of the benefits of having a coach too is like, sometimes it's hard for you to recognize what your body needs. Like you're just kind of following a plan and doing it. And like, I look at like, I have some runners that are most successful as low mileage runners. And I have some runners that are more successful as high mileage runners. Like, and often the difference makers also have injury plagues that situation and you can tell what their body can tolerate or not. But someone that also knows how to program to those needs or recognize those needs and help you recognize them and things like that. Like Sydney was saying, like that's the injury difference, you know, versus just doing a plotted out plan, like having someone be responsive to your body and helping you recognize where is your sweet spot of being successful and things like that. Yeah, there are are some like have-to-haves for marathon training. Yeah. 
there's so much of a difference between different runners. It's always interesting because a lot of training plans are always sold as this is the 40 mile per week plan or this mm -hmm. is the 60 mile per week plan or what. Totally. Like I, I tell people, I, I don't really care about mileage. And that's not to say that running miles don't doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, more is usually better as long as you can tolerate it. But yeah. it, there's like each day you're trying to get a certain stimulus and you're trying to get just a little bit better. Mm -hmm. uh, like if you're just focused on mileage, you're missing the whole picture and the whole reason why they're doing that amount of mileage is to create a set amount of fatigue. Mm -hmm. uh, and two, like in that mileage, you know, how, what, what do those workouts look like? Right. You know, low mileage, mileage runners typically will do more faster running, more harder things and you know, higher mileage typically I'm is more easy. I'm definitely a fast runner. <laughs> I mean, just that there's a lot more nuance that goes into it than just mileage. Uh, Absolutely. And, and that always, I don't know, irritates. It's a pet peeve when it's just like, oh, yeah, you know, how many miles should I run for a marathon? Right. Well, you know, it depends a lot. You know, That's yeah. like a, someone asking me, how do I fix my back pain? I'm like, well, you just open Pandora's box. Yeah. yeah. There's, <laughs> there's a lot of answers to that question. One million reasons why. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Um, so Coach Jack, obviously, I mean, you program for, you program for people in Texas, you said, like you, you're all over the map here. So if someone wants to work with you, how do they go about doing that? What does that process look like? How, how does a person from Texas find you? <laughs> this is interesting to me. Uh, well, I mean, I have a, an online presence, mm -hmm. uh, doing things like hood to coast, you know, that, that whatever that kind of helps get, get the name out there. But yeah. essentially when people find me, they'll reach out, uh, usually through email or, or, mm -hmm. you know, what, whatever phone call. Uh, and then we set up a time to talk, to meet, go over like an initial evaluation, even if somebody's, you know, a thousand miles away. Thank you, Zoom. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the pandemic has been good for a few things, including people being a lot more comfortable with technology. And, yeah, yeah. You know, FaceTime or Zoom yeah. or Google, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but then do like a, a very, you know, stunted version of a functional movement screening. Yeah. Uh, talk through and look through if they have them, their training logs to look through what they've done in the past. Yeah. You know, just talking to them about what they've liked, what they've enjoyed, uh, what they've done that's worked, what they haven't, uh, you know, what they haven't done too is usually the most important things. Yeah. Well, I've never strength trained a day in my life. Yeah. Well, maybe that's a piece that they were missing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Or like, oh, I just always run far. Like every day is eight miles. Well, okay. There's a lot that we can kind of yes. you know, get from that. Yeah, absolutely. Injury history is a big piece of it then too. Mm -hmm. uh, and then kind of figure out from there, you know, here's where you are more or less. Talk to them about their goals figure out where you want to be. And we start to try and bridge that gap. Yeah. It's... Yeah, there's a lot that goes into that, but that's the simplest kind of distillation of it. Yeah, yeah. no, that's awesome. So they can find you online? Yeah, so find, find me at infinityrunco.com, uh, Instagram at infinityrunco. Mm -hmm. uh, and you post, you have a lot of great blogs. I have a lot of this yeah. information out there and stuff like that. And so like if you want to kind of get these little tidbits that Jack is sharing today, he has a lot of those great piece of information out there and he helps digest the big stuff to make it easier for the rest of us to understand. Yeah, I try for the most part to write, you know, some of those more complex things in a somewhat approachable manner. Uh, absolutely. And yeah, so please check it out. Yeah, absolutely. And like we, we value Coach Check very much here. We, uh, uh, we personally train with him, but professionally we utilize him a lot, um, especially treating our athletes who are returning from injury 
um, because he is a very important bridge from that rehabilitation process, working back into building that dosing of that stimulus and getting them back to being successful and, you know, taking them from that point and going beyond. So we truly value his support for our patients and pushing us through our own races, but we really do value him. So thank you both to Jack um, for being here and sharing some of this new knowledge and things like that and perspectives from the coaching standpoint. And to Sydney, thank you for sharing your experiences and reflections of your training as well as your time working with Coach Jack. Um, And thank you both for sharing your insights throughout this whole process. So thank you all for joining us today for our podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. I had a blast. Um, And we hope that you join us again for another episode on the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast. Hey, Dr. Michael here. I want to say a sincere thank you for taking the time to listen to that episode. I hope you got a lot out of it. Dr. Brett, Lauren, and I are all extremely passionate about this podcast and trying to use it to help share high quality, factual information and debunk some of the common myths and misconceptions that we see around athletic performance and rehabilitation. If you have a minute, we would sincerely appreciate you taking the time to leave a rating and review on iTunes or sharing this podcast with a teammate, coach or colleague who you think may benefit. We want as many people to be able to hear and listen to this information as possible. Lastly, if you are on social media, head over to our page at MKE Sports Podcast or at kinetic underscore SMP to follow us so that you get all the latest information. We love to engage, so leave a comment on this podcast, tell us what you learned, or feel free to ask us a question. We sincerely appreciate all of the support, and we look forward to seeing you guys on the next episode.